We turn in God's holy word this morning to Psalm 49. Psalm 49, we read this in connection with Lord's Day 5, which speaks of, really points to Christ as the only one who can make the payment for sin. In Psalm 49, we'll read of how man cannot make that payment. So let's read the whole chapter, Psalm 49. This is the word of God. Hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both both low and high, rich and poor, together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil, when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die, Likewise, the fool and the brutish person person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. This their way is their folly, yet their posterity approve their sayings. Selah. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Selah. Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, When the glory of his house is increased, for when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. And so far do we read God's holy and inspired word. May he bless that word to our hearts. On the basis of that passage and others, we have the instruction of Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 5. Lord's Day 5. Since then, by the righteous judgment of God, we deserve temporal and eternal punishment. Is there no way by which we may escape that punishment and be again received into favor? God will have his justice satisfied, and therefore we must make this full satisfaction either by ourselves or by another. Can we ourselves then make this satisfaction? 
By no means, but on the contrary, we daily increase our debt. Can there be found anywhere one who is a mere creature, able to satisfy for us? None. For first, God will not punish any other creature for the sin which man hath committed. And further, no mere creature can sustain the burden of God's eternal wrath against sin, so as to deliver others from it. What sort of a mediator and deliverer, then, must we seek for? For one who is very man, and perfectly righteous, and yet more powerful than all creatures, that is, one who is also very God. Question 12 is an extremely important question. How can we escape God's punishment for sin? Lord's Days 2 and 3 show that we are wretched sinners. We are totally depraved by nature. By nature, we are wholly incapable of doing any good and inclined to all wickedness. Lord's Day 4 then showed that we face the everlasting punishment of Almighty God if we are left to ourselves. And now Lord's Day 5 comes with this question. Question 12. How then can we escape God's punishment for sin? Kids, if you get caught doing something wrong by your parents, maybe the thing that you think about the most is how can I escape their punishment for this? You desperately want to know that. Well, so much more do we need to escape God's everlasting punishment for sin. There's no more important question than this. How can we escape God's punishment? And the answer to that question is thus so important too. Answer 12 says that for us to escape God's punishment, satisfaction or payment, that's what satisfaction is, payment, that must be made. And that answer leads us to Christ. He is the only one that can make this payment for sin so that we escape God's punishment. The point of the Lord's Day, the point of the sermon this morning is to direct you to Christ as your only hope. Lord's Day 5 is the beginning of the second section of the Heidelberg Catechism. The first section, Lord's Days 2 through 4, show how great our sins and miseries are. And now Lord's Day 5 begins to show how we may be delivered from those sins and miseries and the punishment for them. And that is through Jesus Christ alone. So may we be directed to the Savior today, be directed to the many blessings that he has earned for us, and be strengthened to seek him. Seek him more and more as the only way of salvation. 
Let's consider the text under the theme, Escaping God's Punishment. Escaping God's Punishment. First, the needed satisfaction. Second, the qualified substitute. And third, the highest blessings. First, the needed satisfaction. The the problem is that we are sinners who are not under God's favor, but must be punished and under God's wrath if left to self. Question 12 says, Since then, by the righteous judgment of God, we deserve temporal and eternal punishment. Is there no way by which we might escape that punishment and be again received into his favor? So man did dwell under God's favor in the Garden of Eden. That's how man was. That's what life was like for him under God's favor. And that God has favor upon someone means that he de- his delight is on them. And God's favor is on the righteous. God is a righteous, just, holy God. So he gives life. And he has favor upon those who are righteous and holy like him. And he brings death and his wrath upon those who are wicked. Well, in the garden, man lived under God's favor. For man was created in true holiness and righteousness. In God's image, man dwelled in covenant friendship with God. Dwelled under God's favor, the object of his favor. God delighted in him. Then man sinned. And because man sinned, man now dwells not under God's favor, but must be punished by God and under his wrath left to himself. We all became polluted with sin because of Adam's sin. When Adam sinned in the garden and he became guilty, each one of us sinned and we became guilty. And by the just judgment of God, men then became became totally polluted with sin. So that's all that we want to do. It's all that we can do by nature. God says that we must love him and love the neighbor all of the time, But man cannot keep God's commandments. Man cannot love him. Having a, and we have a truly polluted sinful nature. Having it, we sin every day. We see that. We know that. And because of our sin, we cannot dwell under God's favor, but must be punished by him if left to self. God is holy. And so his anger, he must, well, his anger must come on those who are sinners. He must break out into wrath upon them. Sin incurs a debt to God. God places a price on disobedience. And that price is that one is put under his wrath. The holy God cannot say concerning someone who sins, he can't say, oh, it, it's okay, it doesn't matter. No, they who sin are guilty before God and must be under his wrath now and forever if left to self. And so we need to see that this morning and and confess that in our hearts as we hear this word. 
I am a sinner. I have sinned. And I cannot be under God's favor if left to myself. I must be under that al the Almighty God's anger. That's true for me. Psalm 49 speaks of punishments that God brings on men for sin. It talks about death, for instance. Psalm 49 verses 7 through 9 teach that no man, no matter how wealthy he is, can save himself or someone else from physical death. Verse 7 says, None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give God a ransom for him. Verse 9 then continues that he should live forever and not see corruption. Verse 14 adds this, like sheep, they are laid in the grave, death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. So men die physically, this is saying, and that's when their entire earthly existence ends. The relationships that they have on this earth are over. It's done. And that's part of God's punishment for sin. The wages of sin is death. So man dies physically. That's part of God's punishment for sin. And when man dies physically, that death is a passageway to hell if he's left to himself. Verse 14 hints at that. Verse 14 talks about where the souls of sinners go when they die. And it says, The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. The morning there is a reference to the next life. And it says the right, the upright, that's the righteous, they will go to glory and they will live and rule over the wicked who will be below them. Below them, that is, in hell, suffering everlastingly there under God's wrath. Psalm 49 teaches that God punishes sinners at death. And implies that he punishes sinners also during this life. And how he brings his wrath on them, how he brings punishment upon sinners in this life, is that he leaves them in their sin to go blindly on in it, seeking after wealth as their God, or seeking after their own name, their own glory. That's verses 11 and 12. It says, their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. So they are godless and they go on in this path of sin unto eternal destruction. Obviously then, not being under God's favor and instead being punished by God under his wrath is the, the biggest problem that we need solved. The biggest one. We, we desperately need to escape God's punishment and to be restored to God's favor. To escape God's punishment, that wording in the catechism, it means to be saved from it. And to be restored to God's favor simply means that we are brought back to being objects of his delight. 
We are friends with him. We, we experience that friendship, his love and his care. We know it. We know it personally. We need that escape from punishment and restoration to God's favor. And we need it more than anything else. Man talks about many problems that he faces. We may say, I, I, have, a, I have a great need for physical things right now in my life. I, we hardly have enough as a family to make it. I need this problem solved. Or we might say, I'm overwhelmed with my work. I have, I have so much to do. Haven't had a break in so long. I need some, some time to relax and get away from this. I need a break desperately. I need it. And that may very well be that we need those things that are talked about, we just talked about, but Man's greatest problem is that he needs escape from God's punishment and to be restored to God's favor. The greatest problem we have is our sins and the punishment we deserve for them. It has to be seen by us. Some in the world would say, many in the world would say, that's not my biggest problem. See that truth this morning, what God's punishment is, what our sins are. And thus, since that's our biggest problem, that we face God's punishment for our sins, His wrath now and forever, since that's our biggest problem, our greatest need then is that satisfaction would be made for our sins. For it's only when satisfaction is made for our sins that we escape God's punishment. We need satisfaction. Question 12 gets at that. It says, is there no way by which we may escape that punishment and again, be again received into favor? The answer is God will have his justice satisfied and therefore we must make this full satisfaction either by ourselves or by another. To satisfy God's justice is really to meet the demands of his justice. And to satisfy God's justice, payment must be made for the debt of sin. God is just, meaning that he does what is right. And in his justice, he demands that a price be paid for sin if someone's going to escape punishment. And live under his favor. A price has to be paid. Someone must pay that price. We desperately need that. Or else, again, what happens is, under God's wrath now, under God's wrath forever. And there's nothing worse than that. To make payment for, for sin, to make payment for this debt of sin, is, is the idea of redemption. And that word is used in Psalm 49, verses 7 through 9. It talks about redeeming your brother to redeem your brother means that a payment is made to save someone from something bad. That's what the idea of redemption is. Making a payment to save from the bad. Well, we need the redemption price to be paid to save us from God's punishment. Notice from Lord's Day 5 that God tells us how it is possible that we do escape his punishment 
and his wrath and live under his favor. God tells us how it's possible. It's not that we can, can make the rules here and we get to decide how it's possible that we're restored to his favor. No, God is the judge. He has the right to punish. He's the one who's been sinned against. So he only has the right to decide how we escape punishment and are restored to his favor. And it's truly amazing, something to be so thankful for this morning, that God provides a way for us to escape punishment and be restored to his favor. We must be so thankful for that. And to see how amazing that is, think about how when others sin against us, we so often do not allow people back into our favor. We sometimes reject someone after just one sin. And we maybe even say to ourselves, I'm, I'm not going to talk to that person anymore. Or maybe I'm, I'm going to walk the other way around them in church and make sure I don't talk to them. And yet, think about how we can act sometimes, yet God, God provides a way back to himself and his favor even after we have offended him millions of times. He's so gracious. Be thankful for that great grace this morning. So God's justice must be satisfied. There's needed satisfaction. But how is it satisfied? How is the debt of sin paid so that we can escape punishment? Psalm 49, verses 6 through 9, makes plain that it is not paid with money and cannot be paid with money. We read in verse 6, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. So money can get people the healthiest foods, can get them the best health care. But man, no matter how rich he is, can redeem his brother from death, which is part of God's punishment for sin. The redemption price is not paid with gold or silver. Instead, to pay the debt, one must do two things. Two things. First, one must suffer God's punishment for sin, meaning that he must suffer under God's anger against sin, his everlasting anger against it. The just God has put a price on sin, and that price is suffering and dying under his wrath now and forever. The just God says that price must be paid. Suffering is eternal anger. And that's not all. One must not only suffer under God's eternal anger against sin, but one must do that while perfectly obeying God. Man has an obligation to obey God's law. And God's law says to love him and love the neighbor all the time. So if we are going to dwell with the righteous and holy God under his favor, we must be seen as those 
who have perfectly obeyed him, perfectly loved God, perfectly loved the neighbor. So you see then, to satisfy God's justice, one must suffer and die under God's wrath while perfectly obeying him. Perfectly loving him. That has to be done. Someone must pay this price for sin and escape God's, for us to escape God's punishment and his anger. Someone has to do it, answer 12 says. God will have his justice satisfied and therefore we must make this full satisfaction either by ourselves or by another. So I need to do it or someone else, another man needs to do it or some creature has to do it. But I need someone to satisfy God's justice or I am done for under God's wrath forever. It's my greatest need. I need someone to do it. We need satisfaction to be made for sin. And second, this morning, no, we need a qualified substitute to do it. We need a qualified substitute to make this satisfaction because we can't do it ourselves. That we can't do it is clear from now from question and answer 13. It says, can we ourselves then make this satisfaction by no means, but on the contrary, we daily increase our debt. And question and answer 13 says that we can't make this payment based on Bible passages like Psalm 49. Verses 7 through 9 speak of men paying the redemption price. Verse 8 says that the redemption price is precious. That means costly. The redemption price is costly and it ceaseth forever. That means that the efforts of man to try to pay this price don't work. It ceases. It ends without there being accomplishment of the payment. It ceases forever. They don't achieve their purpose. Man left to himself will die physically, go to the grave, and then perish everlastingly in hell. Man can't do it. And the question is, then, why can't man do it? Why can't man make satisfaction for God's justice and save himself from God's punishment for sin? Well, to satisfy God's justice, you remember, someone has to suffer and die under God's eternal wrath against sin while perfectly obeying God. And you know that man cannot perfectly obey God. Cannot do it. So we're required to do, but we can't meet the requirement. Every man is totally depraved by nature. That's all he can do is sin. All he can do is sin by nature. Never seek the glory of God. So all man can do is, is increase his debt every day, according to the catechism. Every day man sins, so every day he builds up the debt higher and higher and higher. You can go to the uh, online and look at the national debt of the United States, and if you do that, you'll see the number grow higher and higher and higher and higher, even as you watch it there on the screen in your computer. Well, that's what happens with us every day. All we can do is build up the debt and heap up wrath, mountains of wrath for ourselves. No matter what man tries, 
it won't work either. Man might attempt to try to make payment for sin and escape God's punishment by doing good works. So man might say, well, I'm going to go forward now and I'm going to pray and I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to go to church and I'm going to do nice things for my neighbor. I'm going to do all this. And that's a good resolve to have, to do those things. But there are those in Reformed churches today that teach what's called the federal vision. And proponents of the federal vision teach that to be righteous before God and under his favor, one must do good works. Yes, you need Christ, they say, but one must also do good works. So that can lead one to think that I will do this, this, and this, and then escape God's punishment. I will do good works to gain God's favor. But none of those good deeds will cancel your debt and restore you to God's favor. None of them will. None of those actions will be perfect obedience. And that's what's required. None of those actions will be perfect obedience. For Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, Even our best works are stained with sin. And as you understand, none of those good works can make up for the sins and debt made in the past. A man might also try to say this, well, what if I went to hell for a while and suffered under God's wrath there in hell, and wouldn't I after a while make the payment then for my sins? I've suffered under God's wrath. The answer again is no. Remember what the payment is. One must suffer and die under God's wrath while perfectly obeying him. Now a man that goes to hell, he will be suffering under God's wrath for his sins. But when he's in hell, he will not be perfectly obeying God. Those who are in hell are dead in their sins. They hate God as they suffer. Therefore man cannot go there and pay the debt. So it's very clear when we look at that, there, the way is closed to mere man. We cannot pay this debt, escape God's punishment, and restore ourselves to God's favor. Cannot do it. We need a qualified substitute then. We need one to take our place, suffer God's punishment in our place, Give that perfect obedience in our place so that we might be restored to God's favor. We need that. Question 14 says this then. Can there be found anywhere one who is a mere creature able to satisfy for us? So the idea, can that substitute for us be just a creature? Can that one satisfy God's justice? Can I go to God and say, well, I can't make the payment. Punish this animal in my place. Kids, you remember in the Old Testament, the Israelites would take sacrifices, animals to the, to the temple, and those animals would be killed. Be sacrifices for sin. So our question is, did those animals pay for the sins of the Israelites? And can an animal make the payment for my sin today? 
Can that animal be a substitute? The answer again is no. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4 says, It is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Why not? Lord's Day 5 teaches that only man can pay for man's sins. Answer 14 says God will not punish any other creature for the sin which man hath committed. God is just. He does what's right. Since man sinned, he has to pay for sin. That's justice. That's what's right. Ezekiel 18 verse 20, God says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Only man can pay for man's sins. And in the second place, no mere creature can pay the debt for sin because no mere creature can hold up under God's wrath and save others from it. Answer 14 says, Further, no mere creature can sustain the burden of God's eternal wrath against sin so as to deliver others from it. Sustain means to hold up under a burden. So you can imagine if there was a fire in this church and you were downstairs and there was someone that could not get out on time, maybe they had fallen, you have to pick them up and carry them outside the church. Get them out of the fire. Well, to sustain that burden means that you would hold up under that person's weight all the way till you got outside. You'd hold up. That's sustaining the burden. You hold up under it. Well, if a creature is going to deliver us from God's anger and restore us to God's favor, that creature has to hold up under God's fierce anger against sin all the way to the end till all the sins of his people are paid for. They have to. And then they have to come out alive so that they can bless us, give us life, and restore us in our experience to God's favor. And no creature can do that. No animal could have the the fierce wrath of God against sin come on him and, and endure that all the way to the end, paying for every one of the sins that God's people have committed. And no mere creature could have that ever that the terrible wrath of God come on them for sin and then come out alive and impart life to us. No mere creature could do that. Animals cannot satisfy God's justice and restore us to God's favor. And so the question now is, if an animal cannot be our substitute, who can be? Who can make this satisfaction for our sins so that we escape God's punishment and are restored to his favor? And that answer is one who is divine. One who is divine. Divine. Psalm 49, verse 15 says, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. The psalmist is saying that God will make the payment to save from the power of the grave. God will make the payment to save one from hell and unto heaven, and he will make that payment through his divine Son, Jesus Christ. As the Catechism teaches, if one is going to satisfy God's justice, restore us to God's favor, that one must be very God 
very man, and perfectly righteous. Question and answer 15. What sort of mediator and deliverer then must we seek for? For one who is very man and perfectly righteous, and yet more powerful than all creatures, that is, one who is also very God. Do the work of, to do the work of paying our debt, one must be very man. An animal can't do it. Only man can pay for man's sins. He's got to be very man to make the payment, and he also has to be perfectly righteous. He must be one who perfectly loves God as God demands all the time. His perfect righteousness, you see, has to be credited to us sinners so that we might be under the favor of God. God's holy, so we have to be righteous in his sight. So we need one to make the payment that's perfectly righteous and then have his righteousness imputed to us so we can be under God's favor. We need one to make the payment. He has to be very man, perfectly righteous, and very God. A creature, a mere creature, cannot sustain the burden of God's wrath against sin, suffering under it all the way to the end to pay for all the sins of God's people. A mere creature can't do that. Only God can. We need one who's very God. And the only one, then, who can satisfy God's justice, the only one who is very God, very man, perfectly righteous, is Jesus Christ. He's very man. An animal can't make the payment. He can. He's very man. He's perfectly righteous. We here, sinners. He's perfectly righteous. He can make the payment. He's very God. A mere creature would be crushed under God's wrath. He is God. So, there's, understand, there's no other like him. See that, kids and, and young people, all of us here, see that. One has to be very God, very man, and perfectly righteous. There is no one else that has those characteristics. He is the only one. So, he alone could make this payment we need to escape that punishment of God that we deserve. That brings you to see what a great provision we've been given in being given Jesus Christ. God is, is so gracious in providing him that we might escape punishment and be restored to his favor. When, when someone sins against us, it's often the case that we want the person who sinned against us to make reconciliation with us. We, we kind of wait for them to come and say they're sorry, and, and we wait for them to, to make that reconciliation. Well, now think of it with God. God, the one who we sinned against, he provided Jesus so that there could be reconciliation. He provided his own son. The, the one we sinned against provided his own son so that we might be reconciled to him and be under his favor. God is, is so, so gracious. Marvel at that grace this morning. And believe in Jesus alone for your salvation. This Lord's Day makes it so plain that we should never, must never trust in ourselves 
for salvation. And that, that can easily happen, maybe more easily than what we sometimes think, but after we fall into sin, maybe a, a sin that we're especially ashamed of, embarrassed of, we can, we can easily think, well, I'll make up for it. I'll make up for it by, I'm going to do this and this and this. And it's good to, to, to go forward and do, do better and seek to serve the Lord, but we can sometimes have the idea it kind of it makes up for the sin when we do better. Or we, we fall into sin and we think, well, at least I'm not like that guy over there. and I, I'm not as bad as that neighbor of mine, so I'll be okay. That really is a leaning on self and a failure to look to the only one who can save, the only one who saves Jesus Christ. Don't look to yourself. Don't look to any other creature for salvation. Those who look to themselves are condemned. Question 15 asks, what sort of mediator and deliverer then must we seek for? The answer implies, it doesn't use the name yet, but the answer implies we must seek for Jesus because he is the only one who is very God, very man, and perfectly righteous. So that's the calling. Seek Jesus Christ. Yeah, there is especially a, a seeking in faith, a trust in him, trust in him alone as the one who did satisfy God's justice by suffering and dying under God's wrath while perfectly obeying him. Trust in him for all your righteousness before the Lord. And, it, and if you do, recognize that it is only because of, of God that you do seek Jesus Christ. Only because of God. He chose you unto salvation. And based on Jesus Christ's work at the cross, he worked in you faith so that you seek Christ and trust in him alone. God is, is so gracious. He is the author and finisher of our faith. Because of the qualified substitute, we believers are given a high blessing at death. We believers are given a high blessing at death. And what that high blessing is, is life with God in heaven under his favor. The psalmist, who is a believer, he speaks of God's children being delivered at death from hell to heaven. Verse 14 says, he points to, well, he's pointing there to God's deliverance of his people. He says, like sheep, and that's talking about the wicked. Those sheep there are the wicked. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. So the upright... That's the righteous, the righteous in Jesus Christ. They will have dominion over the wicked in the morning, it says. That's in the next life. And they will, you can see the, the figure there in the morning, they will see the son of righteousness, Jesus Christ, as they live in glory with him. Verse 15 adds to that, it says, God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. So think of that, instead of death being a passageway to hell, at death instead it says God receives us. That literally is he takes us to himself to live with him under his favor. 
And that, of course, is based only on the work of Jesus Christ in making satisfaction for our sins. So Psalm 49, verses 14 and 15, is clear proof that when we die, we go right to heaven. God receives us to himself, and it's because of Jesus' work. And what a wonderful, gracious blessing heaven is. We deserve to suffer torment in body and soul, under God's wrath in hell, each moment there in hell, really worse than the last. For man, the one there knows it never ends. It goes on and on and on. What a, what a horrible, horrible thing to experience. And that's what we deserve. But instead, this verse, Psalm 49, verse 15, says that at death, God takes us to himself, to the place where we see the face of Jesus Christ and see his, his love and his mercy emanating forth towards us always. The place where there's no sin and none of the effects of sin. So I, I never hurt anyone with my words and they never hurt me. Never experience any pain but only this perfect life with God forever. Perfect peace with all of God's people. You begin to see then what Paul was saying in Philippians when he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it's gain for us again because Christ made that satisfaction for us at the cross. That's the only way we can live under God's favor forever. Because of the qualified substitute, we not only are under God's favor after we die and go to heaven, but we really live under his favor already now, enjoying life with him now. Left to ourselves, we would be continuing in sin. We'd be, as this psalm talks about, we'd be seeking really wealth, verse 11, chasing after the honor of our own name, that lands would be named after us, or that people would, seeking earthly glory. That would be our life. And we continue on that, to the, on the path to destruction. But that's not the way it is for us. We're under God's favor based on Christ's work. And being under God's favor, God has regenerated us, given us spiritual life, and planted that in us. He's given us faith so that we, we believe in Jesus as the only way of salvation. And we even know, we even know that he's made satisfaction for, for my sins. And we, we know that we have heaven. And we know that he's with us. What, what peace that is. And we get to enjoy that even now as we hear. We get to enjoy God's favor even now this morning as we hear of Christ's love for us in his word. So see God's, God's grace this morning and providing this Savior, and, and thank and praise Him throughout the whole day, throughout the whole week. He's given us such marvelous gifts. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, we come before Thee. We come thankful for the provision of Jesus Christ, the only one who can make the payment, very God, very man, perfectly righteous. Lord, who are we to be given such a Savior? Help us to give thanks and praise in this day. In Jesus' name, amen.